Welcome back, everyone. It's good to be here. My friends, our first reading, um, the, most people, uh, you need to read the whole chapter of Jeremiah to really understand. It becomes very important. Tomorrow at the Mass, I'm going to speak in great detail about Jeremiah. But this evening, um, Jeremiah is the prophet of God, and um, he is not being treated well by the people. And this is what, when we, most people read it, this is what they see. But it's much deeper. The story of Jeremiah um, is actually a story about him and God. It is really not about uh, what's going on between him and the people. It's really about what's happening between him and God. And uh, um, ultimately, Jeremiah will find out that no matter how difficult things are, and they're going to get worse, what we heard today is nothing compared to what's coming in the, in the, in the paragraphs that follow. And what God seems to be telling him is, it's going to get worse, but I am with you. I will not stop them from persecuting you, but I will be with you. Jeremiah finally comes to an understanding of this. In our second reading, uh, St. Paul is really contrasting the um, Christ uh, to Adam, and uh, we understand that humanity, Adam represents humanity, through that uh, through Adam, sin comes into the world, and Christ then becomes that new Adam. And through Christ, then, flows from the one man, grace and mercy and compassion, everything that God is. And that's what we see in the second reading. And uh, the gospel, um, we hear that God is going to be with his disciples in all their trials. And this uh, really... Uh, mimics what we that's why it became so important that we understand what's going on with Jeremiah because the two of them uh, mold together so well the gospel and uh, Jesus sent the apostles and all the disciples to be witnesses into the world and he knew that their lives were going to be in danger I mean look what they did to him right from the beginning as a child they tried to kill him remember arid all the way to the very end. So he already knew what was going to happen. He also knew that because of this, that they were going to be afraid. And uh, he understood their fears, and he tried to move his fears aside. And um, he told them uh, not to be afraid of uh, human beings that could kill the body, but could do no more. Now, I know some of you are like, that's enough, right? Well, no, that is not <laughs> Uh, there's far things worse than that. And uh, he said, rather, they should fear God who can rightly condemn them and uh, for not being faithful to his son. And, um, and to an even worse fate, uh, there would be eternal damnation for them. And uh, in Scripture, there's a passage that says, fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. It's Proverbs 9, 10. And actually, Psalm 111 speaks this way. And I know we've taught you that uh, when you hear fear of God, it means knowledge. But uh, in the Hebrewic words that are being used here, they actually mean fear. Uh, so uh, it's a little bit different. In essence, it means uh, the fear of displeasing God or the fear of losing God. And, um, and of course, we know these can be very strong motivators <laughs> for us to do things. Um, 
but I have to be absolutely clear with all of you that um, what the scriptures um, is not saying, it is not telling us that uh, we should base our relationship with God on fear. And that is not what Jesus taught, not at all. And uh, rather, he is urging us to base it on trust because from our gospel today, he says, uh, can you not buy two sparrows for a penny? Uh, and yet, not one of those sparrows will fall to the ground without my heavenly Father knowing about it. And so he goes on, he says, so do not be afraid. Uh, you are worth more than many of his sparrows. And Jesus is trying to move us from fear to trust. And uh, using the image of the sparrow, he says not one of them falls to the ground uh, without his father's aware of it. And um, in this, he wants us to know that uh, God embraces and knows all things, and he cares about everything, everything that happens to his creatures, even the most insignificant in our opinion of them, um, is seen by God and is important to God. Even the fall of a single sparrow. The fact that he does not prevent the fall does not mean that he is indifferent to it. And this is where we get caught up. We think, well, he doesn't care. It's because we can't see the bigger picture. It's because we don't, we lose sight of heaven. We lose sight of the fact that this is not where we are intended to be forever. We're sojourning here. We are meant to be with God. God is never indifferent about the fate of his creatures. Jesus puts forth then, if God is concerned about his sparrows, we can be absolutely certain that he is concerned about his children whose image he has made us in. Yet we have no guarantee in this world that nothing bad will ever happen to us. And that is not what the scripture says. I will challenge any of you to prove that wrong. I wouldn't do it because I have 15 years of Bible study now. <laughs> it's not there. If it was, I would tell you. But it's not there. Our Christian faith causes us to believe that um, even should human death come, God will take care of us. That is explicitly uh, Jesus' words, but you can find it even in Old Testament, Psalm 91. Our Christian faith is not, um, this is where people uh, misunderstand the Christian religion. It's not a comforting illusion that all is good, that all is well, that everything is perfect here. Rather, it means to know that life here has risks and insecurities, and yet we have a sure and constant joy and peace through it all, for God himself is with us. When I think about Christianity, and you've heard me say this before, it is not an easy religion, and it is not for those uh, who are faint of heart. Courage is absolutely needed when it comes to the Christian religion and to the faith. But Jesus does not want us to have the type of fear that is crippling and paralyzing. This type of fear would render each disciple so timid as to be ineffective in all things. They would not be able to carry out the mission that had been given to them 
and everyone who has been baptized has been given a mission. Mine is very obvious to you, <laughs> right? <laughs> Priest. But yours is equally important. Husband, father, grandfather. These are all mission too. For is not God father? You see how important it is. Every baptized Christian is to witness, however, and testify to God in the world in their state of life. And my friends, today the world needs Christians to witness to the Lord. Every place needs Christian witnesses. Christ says, witness to me before the world. It's in the world that one must stand up and be counted. It is not enough to be secret disciples of Jesus Christ. And in the United States, you do not have to be. But there are places on this planet where you will be murdered. And I say murdered, not killed, murdered for professing your faith in Jesus Christ. In some countries, to witness to Christ is to put their very lives in danger. But in most countries, this is not the case. But the latter countries, they need everyone then, all the Christians everywhere, to stand up and be counted and to be witnessed and to witness to the faith and to uh, the Christian values because those are being eroded. Uh, there's a theme uh, as you go deeper into the gospel, and it certainly is there for in the book of Jeremiah, about infidelity. Uh, the, the infidelity, though, that is being spoken about is not infidelity like we would use between a husband and a wife. It is the infidelity of towards God, towards his son, towards his son's words, towards his son's ways, towards his son's teachings. And that infidelity has become so apparent in our country. If people would have fidelity to God and his son and his words and his teachings, we would not have the hatred that we see. We would not have the indifference that we see. We would not have the murder that we see. We would not have the violence that we see. You see what I'm getting at? It's infidelity to God himself and his ways. Thus, Christians must stand up and witness properly because the values that Jesus came and talked about are being eroded day by day. In our country here, we are not likely uh, to face bodily harm. Uh, maybe some parts in the States somewhere. But more so, we would be faced with hostility and we would be faced with severe opposition. But the thing that is most deadly, really, when we think about it, is to have indifference for the person to say, I really don't care. You don't matter. That's a deadly poison. 
Thus, to witness in this case requires a very special kind of courage from Christians. Courage is needed to overcome our fear of what people will think of us or to say to us or worse, just simply to not acknowledge us as if we did not exist. And the fear of what it will cost us, Christians have been looking at for so long, this is going to cost me. This is going to cost me my pride, my standing. We Christians need to move out of that phase. Friends, Jesus said, do not be afraid. He was not saying that we should not feel fear. He knew that we would feel this. The issue was, what does that fear do to us? Does it paralyze us? from doing anything good in life, but especially to not to testify to Christ, to be unable to fulfill the mission given. What is the remedy for fear? Well, classically courage, <laughs> but in Christianity it would be grace. Grace is what helps us. Jesus urged his disciples to have complete trust in God who lovingly watches over life and death of everything, but particularly of his children. Faith and trust in God is a source of enduring courage for us, but really for all people if they would come to understand God. To live a Christian life today as in past times requires courage. What is needed, not so much uh, from us as heroism, as just everyday, ordinary courage. Fear and courage are not mutually. However, courage is not never being afraid. It is being afraid and still carrying on and doing what you know you must do in spite of it. Jeremiah did this. All the prophets that followed did this. Jesus himself did it. This is what he asks of you and I, that we do the same. Acknowledge him here and he will do more than acknowledge you in the next life. May the Lord give you all courageous hearts so that you may witness and testify always to his love. That's all you have to do is testify and witness to his love. Right? Lorenz, um, just as a reminder, I'm so happy that you're here and uh, we have things that we have to do differently. So I'm going to remind you that the sign of peace is gone. Uh, it was always optional. Uh, but uh, because of social distancing, we won't be doing that. Not to sing so much. I suspect that's going to change in the coming weeks <laughs> from what I've been hearing. Uh, that will probably change. Whatever. We'll adapt. We'll move. Um, communion. I am the only one who can receive communion at the communion rite. 
everyone else will receive communion, but after the Mass is ended, I will tell you, go in peace. If you wish to receive the Eucharist, don't leave. <laughs> you stay seated at that time, and then the ambassadors will help you to reach me uh, um, at that time. What else am I missing? That uh, we don't have collection at the collection time. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, leave safely. Um, safely. Um, uh, 5.30, you don't have to worry about this so much uh, so as to leave as quickly as possible. But on Sunday, before the next Mass can begin, we have to sterilize everything again. So, And that's fine. That's fine. Whatever it takes that allows you to come in here, whatever it takes that allows you to be with me here. That is what we will do. If I don't like it, I will go home and I will pull a Jeremiah. <laughs> and then I will do what I need to do, as Jeremiah did. Hmm? But we will all move through this. But whatever it takes that you may sit here and worship in this house, whatever it takes, okay? Whatever it takes. Yep, and make, continue to call and make your reservations, all right? Friends, uh, uh, on a bit of even more good news, good news is because you're here, you know, is uh, the annual Catholic appeal. We're only 57, I'm amazed, we're only $57,000 away from our goal. The parish has raised $131,000 of the 189. So thank you for that. And I know that I'll continue to appeal. Uh, we continue to uh, uh, ask everyone to continue to support the parish financially during this time. Um, if you are struggling yourselves financially or in any other way, please contact me and uh, we will uh, have a conversation. Now you can begin to come back into the office with masks on uh, and uh, actually see me rather than just by telephone. And you know how terrible I am at emails. <laughs> but when you get six or 700 a week, <laughs> usually mean uh, from people not even of this area, uh, you got to go through them anyway. Mm, friends, how am I doing on time? Okay, we're doing good on time. Um, and that's the other thing is they want us to keep everything short. Father Mark never gives short homilies, but I've been working. I've been working on this to make it happen um, because whatever it takes that you can be in here. All the men who act as father, grandfather, stepfather, or give a father's love to someone to remain standing and everyone else please sit. Heavenly Father, Thank you for the gift of fathers and fatherhood. Give these men the grace to protect us, provide for us, counsel us, and guide us. Our dads stand in your place, O oh God, until the day we meet you face to face. Protect our fathers, guide them, and be a father to them. Console them, renew their faith, hope, and courage. Show them how to best lead and provide for their families in these challenging times. O oh Lord, Give our fathers joy. Let them feel your love in their hearts and your peace in their souls. May they know and enjoy the love of their family and friends on this weekend dedicated to them. St. Joseph, husband of Mary, pray for our fathers and give them your strength, your integrity, and your purity of heart. 
May they never lose heart in their sacred mission of leading their families to heaven. We ask this in our Lord's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. And to our men, who are fathers and grandfathers, amen. Please be seated. My friends, I know there is much uh, turmoil and chaos and many things that are beyond my understanding sometimes when it comes to politics and things. But my friends, I want you to, uh, I'm asking you as your pastor, uh, and I know you do, but just to do this as much as possible, I want you to show great respect and um, encouragement to our law enforcement officers, uh, to our emergency responders. Um, they are being treated by some in a terrible way. Um, uh, some people are treating all of them as if they have done some great crime, and they have not. In the same way that I have never molested anyone, priests may have, but I have not. But to treat all priests as if they are molesters is wrong. In the same way to treat all law enforcement as if they are evil and do wicked things is wrong. And that is not of God. That is not how God would want us. We will, we will work with them to bring to justice those who do wicked things. But as far as I'm concerned as your pastor, I expect that you will treat our law enforcement and our emergency folks uh, with great respect and dignity as God the Father would want you to. Okay? So, Detective Ellen, we thank you for being with us uh, here as you always come and uh, make sure that we're safe from uh, everything. <laughs> so, we thank you.